any entrepreneur, like you, you need to make money. And I think a lot of the things that I was doing before this past year or two was just strictly, I just need to make as much money as I can make. And a lot of the things that I was doing, they weren't really that fulfilling. I was happy because I was learning and I was making money, but I was like, I still feel empty. Something feels missing. I don't feel aligned with myself. And then when I went to do that thing for Fujifilm, I was like, damn, this was nice. This was fun. I got paid to do this. And I also came away with it very fulfilled. What's up? My name is CJ Finley, and this is the Thrive on Life podcast. I started a brand called Thrive on Life to help other mission-based people, brands, and businesses thrive. Each week, we interview people on topics of business, health, relationships, mindset, and much more to help us thrive in all areas of life. If the messages in this podcast resonate with you, but you're still feeling a little bit stuck in actually implementing these ideas, I'd love to help you on a more personalized level or connect you with somebody that can. So please reach out. Also, if you've got a friend who you know could benefit from hearing this episode, please share the love with them. My goal is always to spread positive impact through the sharing of knowledge, and I would be honored if you could help me achieve this goal. Today's guest is Jasmine Quinones. She is an Austin, Texas-based filmmaker and director. Originally from Boston, Massachusetts, she moved to Austin in 2019 to continue her work as a freelance filmmaker, starting her own production company and working to make a name for herself in a new city. Despite having no formal education in filmmaking, her creative drive and passion for piecing together stories through video has led her to work on numerous projects, including helping the direction and production for clients such as REI, New Balance, Ferrari, and Fujifilm. She pulls inspiration from 90s skate culture and enjoys blending raw doc-style filmmaking with a cleaner and colorful cinematic style. Her latest short film, Push, is her introduction to longer narrative-driven content, the story explores the friction between self and identity through the lens of one of her favorite sports, skateboarding. As a queer Puerto Rican woman, she hopes to continue bringing unrepresented stories about identity and mental health to light through commercial work and short films, while leaning on some of her favorite subjects, sports, fitness, and lifestyle. When she's not behind the camera, Jasmine hosts a podcast called For Creativity's Sake and enjoys writing music, singing, and of course, practicing her kickflips. Please welcome back Jasmine Q to the show. What's up, Thrive Fam? CJ Finley here again with another episode of the Thrive on Life podcast. And today, I'm feeling very grateful because one of the reasons that I started this podcast and the visions that I had, if you've been following me, it may look like I'm sporadic and chaotic on the outside, but I'm a little bit more calculated than I, than I let off. And one of the things that I calculated before I made this podcast was... I absolutely love some of the people I've been fortunate enough to be around and the impact that they've had on me. And I wanted to tell their stories year over year for a prolonged length of time. And the person I have here today is one of those people. I've worked closely with her in the past and it's been amazing to see her spread her wings and create some really cool things. So I just want to welcome Jasmine Q to the show. Hell yeah. Hello, everybody. I'm I'm back. We're here. What, three it's almost three. It'll be three years in September since the last time we recorded. That's actually crazy. It's pretty wild. That makes me want to throw up that it's been Se- that long. Se- September oh my God. of 2020. Um, and it's been really fulfilling to watch you on your path because for me, seeing a lot of the creators that we work around mm-hmm find themselves has been inspiring to me to like find more of myself and dig a little bit deeper. And I've always looked to you as somebody who has gone against a grain and has has paved their own path. Um, You weren't always sure of that path, which Mm -hmm. is great, but it, it was just awesome energy to be around. So I want to applaud you for that. If you're tuning in right now, go check out her first episode. I believe it was E61. Um, Way back, we're on way like two, back this is gonna in the be day. In the I need to go listen to that. Two fifties now. That's insane. Yeah, congrats on that. That's yeah. a lot of episodes. Yeah. So, I want to kick this one off with that progression. So, the last time that we were chatting, literally, I kicked off the episode, and we were talking about you skateboarding and like how you got involved with skateboarding and like That's what wild. it meant to you, which is wild because you went on to actually create a, sh- a short form with skateboarding involved. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to give you the open floor of like, kind of like where you've been over the past two and a half years Mm -hmm. and maybe that major project that you had the chance to work on. Oh man. 
I mean, so much has happened. My God. I mean, yeah, it's, it's weird because yeah. I mean, last time we were talking about it, I think it was just something. Well, cause I was talking to you about like getting back into skateboarding. So it's weird because you were trying to learn how to kickflip. Yeah. Which I still can't do, which, which is dumb because like I have been able to like kickflip like once or twice, but it's always been like I land and then I fall right after. So I don't even count it as a land. Cause like my feet get on the board and then I just completely slip out and I fall. But like, it, it's weird because like, I think around that time was when I like picked skateboarding back up like more continuously. Cause it was the pandemic. Like, and so I remember buying a skateboard cause I had an old skateboard and I was like, no, I need to buy another skateboard. And I hadn't bought one since I was like probably like 15 years old. Um, so that was about the time that I started getting more into it and like started creating more content around skateboarding, I think was really around like the time that we shot that podcast and like then into 2021. And then in 2021, I was having more, I was creating more skate content. And it was funny because people were starting to notice that as being more of like my brand, I guess, which is cool because I like when I first met you and like when we were doing you know, all the thrive stuff during the summer, I kind of have always never really been sure of like what I wanted to do or like who I was as a creative and like, even just like personally, like on a personal level. And I still struggle with this, but like kind of just not knowing like who am I and like, who do I want to portray myself as? Um, and you know, skating was, it's always been a really big part of my life. Like when I was younger, I was like, super obsessed with it. Like, as I probably said in the, in the last episode and yeah, it's weird because as 2021 was, was happening, I remember like late that summer, I was like, I was like, yeah, I kind of really want to make a film like about skating. That was one of like my dream projects or something, you know, to just like make a film about skating. That was a little bit more representative of people that like I didn't see in skateboarding. So like primarily like women, women of color, like LGBTQ. And I, I just was like, you know what? Like, I think a big reason why I quit skating was because I just didn't have a community around skating because I wasn't a little skater boy. Like I was like probably one of the only girls at the park back in like 2006. And there just was not, there was probably like maybe two or three professional, like female skaters that were like big at that time. So it was like, not really a thing that like yeah, going back to how I was saying, you yeah. go against the grain. Like when I, it, yeah. it hit home because I, I've, I haven't skated in a while, but I mm -hmm. skateboarded for the majority of my life. Yeah. And going thinking back to when I was preteen and, and teenager, mm -hmm. there was no women. Yeah, there literally all. was none. So like I just remember skating when I was younger, being so attached to it and like so obsessive. I would wake up every morning. I kid you not, and like watch skate videos like every morning my sisters would be so annoyed with me because they were like are you really putting this shit on again and I'm like yes I am and like and I it just fell off like I, I quit skating when I was like in high school because I was like well this isn't cool this isn't what girls do like girls at this age should be focused on xyz like high school things and boys and all this and I was like so I just stopped and it's funny because yeah now that you know, as 2021 was happening and I was like, yeah, I want to make a film around skating. And then I got connected with Fujifilm, which was insane. Um, but through getting connected with Fujifilm, I remember it was winter of 2021. So like around Christmas time. Um, and they just called me and they're like, Hey, we have a, a new camera coming out, um, in next spring and it's video focused. Like, and that, that's pretty big for Fujifilm because a lot of their cameras are more majority photography focused. And they knew that I was using a Fujifilm camera to do video work. So they were like, Hey, we have a new camera coming out. It's video focused. And we wanted to ask you if there's anything that you've ever wanted to make. And if there's anything you ever wanted to make, we kind of want to help you make that and have you be a part of this new wow. campaign. And I was like sitting on the phone and I was like, what? <laughs> I was like... That's, I mean, that's something that creators dream of to work with a major camera company. Like it, it was like a, and to have it be like, to have her call me and just be like, Hey, you can make whatever you want. Just pitch it to us pretty much. She was like, is there anything you want to wow. make? And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I just was talking about 
three months ago how I wanted to make a skate film. So shit, let me go like pitch this skate film. And so do you remember when when new when I was talking to New Balance and you were sitting right next to me? Yeah. And they were asking for creators. And yeah. I was just like, well, I got one. You're like, like so- I want one right here. And I was like, Am yeah. I about to do something for New Balance? Because that's yeah. crazy. That, so that feeling you got for Fujifilm yeah. is re- so relatable because when that happened with New Balance, I was my dad wore New Balance mm-hmm. our, like our whole lives. And now I'm sitting here talking on the phone with somebody who wants me in a commercial that's going to be coast to coast. Um, that's wild. How, did, how yeah. did that actually happen that Fujifilm, you got connected with them in the first place? Um, so it's actually, so my friend Jay... Um, so Jay is a local Austin photographer and he's actually a Fujifilm creator, like an official, like Fujifilm creative ambassador. So he used like Fujifilm cameras a lot. So that's kind of how I got introduced to Fujifilm cameras. I mean, he was using them primarily for photography and at the time that he was, that I was hanging out with him and he was using those cameras, like Fujifilm is really cool because their cameras are very much modeled after like actual like film analog cameras, which is what my draw to them was. Cause you know, I love like vintage kind of. Well, I, for, for people that don't know what's an analog camera. Analog camera is, um, so it's any camera before the digital age. So when you actually had to put the film <laughs> in the camera and wind it up and you only got like 30 something shots. And so, so film photography. So uh, Fujifilm's cameras are digital cameras, but they have all the like dials on the top and they look very film-esque. So, you know, and Fujifilm was a big, is a big manufacturer of like film stocks, like actual old film stocks. So that's kind of what I was drawn to the cameras because they, they were modeled after actual like 35 millimeter film and they also have like all these like color profiles inside the camera that are called film simulations so in the actual camera like you can change the films it's almost like a filter think of it as like an instagram filter but it's like you can just change those simulations in the actual camera digitally yeah Yeah. so I, i could take a picture of you right now with my fujifilm camera and i could set it to be like um a black and white film stock if I wanted to shoot you in black and white. And then they just have a bunch of different like color film stocks that That's you awesome. can, that you can shoot with. So I just thought that was really cool. And so I was really drawn to Fujifilm cameras. And then, um, I, I ended up getting one used it for video. And then my friend Jay, who was already connected with them, he was like, Oh, you're using Fujifilm for, for video stuff. Uh, let me send your name to the person, the woman who works in, on the marketing team. Um, because I know that they're looking for more people who use the cameras for video and they're looking to do more stuff with video. So yeah, he basically just sent me her contact and like, she's called me like she, she, she called me. I think it was like August of 2021. Um, and she was like, Hey, I just wanted to get connected with you. Like, because Jay sent your information over and I, I look at your, I saw your work and I really, really like it. And, uh, and then we just got connected in that way. She was like, I would love for there to be an opportunity for us to like work together, like in the future. I'm not sure what that'll be yet, but like, it's really great to get connected with you. Um, and so then, this is August of 2021, and then in December is when they had this new camera. Yeah. So what, it, did it, anything happen in between then, or was it kind of so just... I did like a mentorship um, so they had me at, it literally was like two weeks after she initially called me in August. And then she was like, Hey, we have this, um, it's like hard to explain, but it was, it was basically like a, they wanted me to come in and that's be where a, you were teaching. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. 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 Kind of like it was, it, I flew to New York basically to do this mentorship program where I was one of three mentors and they wanted me to come in because um, they were like, well, we feel like you are at a relatable level like to these people. Because I was like, why are you why are you asking me to be a mentor? Like, I feel like I'm still learning so <laughs> much, you know, and, and they were like, well, you are in a very relatable spot to these people. You're not like you're not some like hotshot old white dude who's been in the game for like 40 years. No, you are in it like you're living it and you're working with these cameras and you're learning yourself. So we'd feel like you'd be a great mentor. So living they, and breathing it. So they flew me to New York and I was a mentor alongside two other people. Um, and we were mentoring a group of three and then they were basically making a documentary about the whole process. Like we were mentoring these three students on how to essentially create their own mini doc in like three days. 
it, it was a very weird thing to explain, but, um, what was the biggest takeaway of that experience? Oh my God. That I just loved that. I loved sharing knowledge with people. Like I just loved, and I love seeing people so excited. Like I love seeing people figure things out. And so, and I get really excited when people figure things out. So it was really cool to be there and live that experience with them. Essentially they had to, um, create a story, pitch it and film it in three days which is an insane yeah. ask, an insane ask to do, but, um, sounds really cut and dry, but like anybody that oh knows Oh my God. It. Yeah. It, it was just, it was a lot to ask them to do in three days, but, um, and basically we were there to help mentor them through that entire process. Did you sleep? Honestly, <laughs> a lot of us did not really sleep that much. Um, yeah, pretty, pretty little sleep. I know the students that we were mentoring didn't really sleep that much cause they were up like trying to figure out their pitches and yeah. stuff. Um, so that was really cool because it really did solidify to me that like, I was like, damn, I really love just like being in that process with people. And I loved getting to just share whatever knowledge I have and just like hype people up. Like, I just, I don't know. I just love hyping people up. I'm like, yo, you want to do this? Like, let's do it. Like, why don't you, like, I'm just, I want people to just feel confident in like chasing whatever it is that they want to chase and like write the stories that they want to write and like let people know that like, Hey, you can, you can really do this. And it's really exciting when they do do it. And like, so I got to kind of help them with that process. And I actually ended up being in one of the, so basically we had to pick one of the student films, like the three of them pitched a different idea. And, um, once they all pitched it, we would all pick one of them to like work on for the next two days. And I ended up being like the actor in of course I ended up being the actor picked to actually be so I was supposed to be the mentor but then (laughs) but then they were like Jasmine we need an actor and actually you fit perfect for this so like let's have you in it so then we ran around New York for like 48 hours like filming these sequences and I ended up being the person in the actual film which made it even cooler to help them on because I was like well now I'm a part of it and like what do you need from me and what can we do and how can we make this vision happen for you and it was so fun like it just like it really, really kind of just, I don't know. I, I felt definitely like that shifted my mindset a little bit. Like I was like, damn, I really want to be doing stuff with like just more intention and more heart in it. And I think that's what I was lacking kind of before that, because I mean, as a freelance creative, you know, you're, I mean, as any entrepreneur, like you, you need to make money and like, we're trying to make, we're trying to make money. And I think a lot of the things that I was doing before like this past like year or two was just strictly like, I just need to make as much money as I can make. And a lot of the things that I was doing, like they weren't really that fulfilling. Like I was, I was, I was happy because I was learning and I was making, and I was making money, but I wasn't like, I was like, I still feel empty. Like something feels missing. Like I'm not, I don't feel aligned with myself. I don't feel. And then when I went to do that thing for Fujifilm, I was like, damn, like this was nice. Like this was fun. I got paid to do this. And like, I also came away with it very fulfilled. I think there's this rubber in the road that happens mm-hmm. for a lot of creatives yeah. where they start realizing, you start realizing how skilled you actually are and mm-hmm. like where your skills are going towards yeah. and what you could be mm-hmm. and where you could be spending your time and you realize that you're not spending it in ways that align with that right again like you said it's tricky because you do have to pay your bills Mm -hmm. but what i meant by like rubber in the road is like you get to this fine point of like if i'm gonna do i'm gonna if i'm gonna do this shit right i gotta do it now like this i I don't know if if that's hitting home with you but Mm -hmm. that was familiar to me like when when we were working closely together with the office that we got right that i got right before (laughs) covid that crushed that idea (laughs) i was having the similar feeling it was just like it's like shit or get off the pot. Like right. I got to like, this is what I'm good at this. I'm good at bringing people together, community mm-hmm. and like almost being like, I, the word misfit came up, like collecting mm-hmm. the misfits, the people yeah. that are trying to find themselves and want to build things, but don't necessarily understand their role right. or understand how much faster and further they can go with other people around them. Yeah. And for me, that represented, I think, that point in the road where it was like, okay, I need to do this so that I know that I can do this. And then that just catapulted 
into so many other things like mm -hmm. going digital, like because of COVID and like when we were doing the lunch and learns and things mm -hmm. digitally, like in my consulting and things like that. Now understanding how to build communities and ambassador programs, um, doing digital consultations and mm -hmm. public speaking, like it all came together with that studio because I understood like, okay, this, this is my path. But when I think of my story, there was so much what I call like working in the dirt prior to that. Yeah. And then same for you. Do you think that that's mandatory? So do you think yeah. it's mandatory for, to take on those projects that you took on to get to that point where Fujifilm is working with you? I think so. I just think it happens. Like, you know, I, I don't meet too many people that just like, they know exactly like, I mean, maybe there are people, I mean, sometimes I feel like there are people like this and I'm like, how did you do that so fast? Like that makes no sense to me. But like, I think for most people it is going to be kind of a, a journey of like, you are gonna kind of have to like be in the dirt a little bit and like, you're going to have to scramble. You're going to have to be okay with like not knowing what the hell you're doing and, and kind of, you're going to go through those periods where like you feel very lost. Like I just didn't know what the hell I was doing. And like, I'm still, I'm still learning and figuring it out. And it, and I think also as we grow, especially in your twenties, like you're going to change every year. And I think that that's the really hard part that I've had to come to terms with is that like every year, I think I've changed a lot. Like even in like, the ways that I view things, the ways that I talk about things. And I, I, I feel like people think that like what they thought at age 22 is going to be the same thing that they think at 25, at 28, at 31. And it's like that, it just changes all the time. And like, I think maybe our core values and our, our mission kind of always might stay similar, but I think the ways that we want to go about that are always like, fluid and changing. And I think that there's this immense pressure to be like, well, I started this at age 22 and now I'm f changing and flip-flopping and age 23 and 24 and 25, like, can I just get it together? And it's like, I think you just kind of have to do, you just have to you just do that. Don't get it together. Yeah. you just <laughs> Doesn't I, ever come I, together exactly. because if you're, if you're pushing the needle, that, yeah. I, I really love that response. And I, it's, it's literally true and it's happening yeah. to me right now. Like yeah. we're chatting, like my son's about to be born and I'm trying to get ahead on this podcast and I'm just coming to, to terms <laughs> that like, there's no ahead right? <laughs> like in, in reality. Yeah. It's just like, it's just gonna, it's just all gonna come together and I'm gonna continue to grow and like change my viewpoints and, and try to show up as a, as a better me. Mm -hmm. And the thing I think that does get a little bit more clear is your role and what, what you want to bring to the world that yeah. obviously that can change. I think more so it's in like five year increments now. Like I'm mm -hmm. very clear now in like what I don't want to do and like the yeah. things I, I want to say no to. And one of the questions I wanted to ask you today was around filmmaking and directing yeah. and how you transition from what I would call a content creator and helping companies with their social media and like brand campaigns to kind of like planting your flag in the ground and calling yourself a filmmaker and a director. Mm -hmm. Was there a specific moment where you feel, felt confident enough to like make that stake, claim <laughs> that stake? Yeah, I mean, I think it was after I did my film, like after I did Push, which was my short film that I filmed a year ago now. Um, I think that's when I finally felt like, okay, I think I'm gonna call myself a, a, a filmmaker, like a director now, I, especially the director thing, because I don't think I realized how much I actually did want to be a director. I never thought that I wanted to be a director. I was like, that looks like a lot of work. They're like leading the whole thing pretty much. Like their name is on it in big ass letters. I was like, that's a lot of pressure. And I, so I never thought that I would really want to be a director. I kind of always saw myself as like, no, I think I'm going to be a DP or like... So what's a DP? A DP is a director of photography, a.k.a. the cinematographer. So the person who's kind of in charge of the visual image. Whereas a director is kind of in charge of like the actual story vision. 
someone who's a DP is more so taking the director's like story and vision. And then the DP is in charge of like, how does it actually look on camera? Like, how are we visually telling this story? So some DPs are even the ones kind of figuring out the composition and the lighting. Um, and they kind of work together with the director to kind of like figure that all out. How often were you a DP prior to directing push? I was just only ever really a DP. Well, here's the thing though, because I always worked as a solo, like really, like I was a, a solo freelance filmmaker. So as solo freelance filmmakers, like we kind of are everything like we're not, we're don't, we don't wear just the, and I think that's also the misconception people have. They're like, well, you, you kind of just come and you're, I'm gonna pay you for just recording like video. Like you're just, you have the camera and you're just shooting, but it's like as a solo filmmaker, you're not just shooting, you're directing it. You're probably producing it because you're probably working with a budget where it's like, well, I have to schedule this. I have to do all the invoicing. I'm directing the project and I'm having to direct it while there's a camera in my hand. So I'm also doing the DP work. And then if I bring in any type of lighting, I'm also the lighting person and the audio and the sound person. And then I'm editing it. So in reality, it's like I always was a director, yeah, yeah. but, um, you know, but I don't think I, I, but doing all those things together, you don't really get to focus on one area and like hone in that particular area. I mean, I'm really glad that I, I do have the experience of like, well, I had to do everything all the time and I still have, I still take gigs where like I have to do everything by myself, but really, really being like, okay, I kind of want to step into a director role for like actual, like bigger commercial campaigns. I didn't really feel that director, that director vibe, um, until I did my short film for push, because I think there's a difference in directing by yourself. And essentially when you're leading yourself, leading a team of one, that's the different kind of skill set than leading a team. And I think push was the first example of I was actually relinquishing the, sh the, the filming. So I had Ian come and be the DP for push. So I was like mostly hands off camera, but I did shoot some of it because we both had to shoot because we had two days to shoot the entire thing, but I had to be in the film. So I had to relinquish filming the entire thing. And so I was, you know, working, I had to work with Ian on that vision. And then, uh, there was also Fujifilm sent over people to be, I had a producer Wow. Um, it was, yeah, it was so weird. I had a producer. I had, there was a, crew. what does a producer do? So a producer on a film set, essentially, I mean, they're the person who's like the organized person who basically is like, okay, what's the story? What locations do we need in, in terms of my film? Like the producer took care of like, um, okay, what locations do we need and what permits do we need? Do I need to get permits? Let's, and she took care of the schedule. So she's the one who wrote out the schedule of, uh, got everyone. She's basically like team mom. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So the, pro the producer is like the mother or father of the set. And they're basically the ones that's like, okay, these are the locations. This is the, this is everyone's, uh, contact information on one sheet. Um, they are in charge of figuring out the catering. So like food for, for set is like, they're in charge of like, okay, we got to put in an order for lunch. So when we have a lunch break, like this is, and they're in charge of getting the permits. Um, they're the they're the people that make it all happen. It's like a project manager, pretty That's much. Yeah, yeah. So they're they're the they're the people who are like, hey, I come to them. I'm like, this is the project I need to do. These are the locations I'm thinking of. These are the people I want to get casted in it. Like, and the producers just like, okay, it's, they're they're the ones like kind of making all those organizational. Like, let's really make this happen. Like, they they play a huge role. If if you're like I feel like they're like honestly one of the most important roles. If you need to hire out anyone for a big project, it's like you need a producer. Like they're they're super important. But yeah, they had sent me out a producer. Um, they sent out someone to help with lighting, and then I had my friend Ian DP, and then I had um, my other friend who was an assistant director. Um, so that's already like it was like a crew of like eight people, something like that's that. That's amazing. And to me, I was like. I have never had the resources to have a crew of eight people. Like that was weird. So I showed up on set and it was like, people were coming to me. Hey Jasmine, is this okay? Or Hey Jasmine, like this is, is this all right? Or here, 
I was like, this is so weird. Like it, it was just a very surreal experience. And I was, and that's when I first felt like, oh, all these people are coming together to, to make a vision and a story come to life that I just created. Like I wrote down in a journal one day, like that was just weird. It was just very surreal. But I also realized that like, after I did that project, I was like, you know, that was definitely like stressful. It was definitely like very, I showed up to set and I was like super anxious. Cause I was like, if people have questions, like they're coming to me, like, this is my, this is my vision. This is my story. Like I'm, I'm the default one that people are looking to, to like, I was the one yelling action. I was the one yelling cut. Like it was very, very, you know, surreal. But I realized that like, I really, really did enjoy it. Not because like, I necessarily like to be in charge because I, but that feeling, that feeling of anxiety, like but that's like, where it's like good. Yeah. And it's, and it was also one of those things where I was like, well, I get to, as the director, I was like, I kind of get to set the tone for the set. And that was really important to me because I've been on, I had, you know, been a DP or I had been an assist on, on bigger sets before, not very many times, but the few times that I had been, I was like, the vibes are not high here. People are stressed. People are anxious. People are, and I was like, and I didn't like that. And I was like, and so when I directed my film, I was like, the vibes are going to be high. We're going to be having fun. Like, I'm not going to be a director with like a stick up my ass. Like I, I want people to like shine where they most shine. And I want people to feel like they're actually enjoying helping me tell the story. And so that's another reason why I was like, damn, I really love directing because of the feeling that it gives me. It was like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing something, but also because I, I felt like it was a really good opportunity to like, I want these people to have fun. I don't want these people to show up to set and have it be another set where like everyone's high strung because we need to get this and this and this done in like two days. And I'm like, no, nah, I want people to like shine and have fun, like do what you're best at. And let's just, I want people's personalities to show too. Cause that's who I am. I'm like, I'm trying to be goofy on set. I don't want people to be like, you know what I mean? I, I mean, I do know what you mean. Like that's yeah. how Thrive on Life really came about. Yeah. When I, when I think about what I wanted to do differently is just like, even when it was like me, you, John, Jake, right. Hamza, like it just was fun. Exactly. Um, yeah. And it, and you can work hard and have fun. And that's, yeah. that's I think, a, a common misconception for people, especially in the social media age where grind, 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 hustle, I hustle, know. hustle. Like yeah. um, work for your future. Right. And forget about the present. And I think the beauty of a lot of the creators here in Austin, Texas, mm -hmm. um, I will say, is it's been very fun to work. I don't think I've at actually like ever had a bad experience with I've been fortunate with the creative people that I've been around. Like it's been Good fun. Yeah. yeah. It's been fun for the most part of it. I don't think we've ever had any major hiccups or stressful situations, mm -hmm. but I think that's just a testament to our mindset is yeah. when you come up, when you come to work, having fun and bring in the energy, even when problems arise, it's like, okay, we got this. Like, it's just like, that momentum of good energy just right. always circumvents whatever the problem is. Right. Uh, is it still stressful? Yes. Is our mm -hmm. times going to like be confusing and you're going to mm -hmm. get frustrated? Um, yes. But the, the, the high energy and the high vibes right. always outweigh that. When in the process did you realize, damn, like, I'm doing this, like this is happening and this could be my future. Oh my God. I don't even know. Honestly, that whole time was just a blur. Like not like in a, like it wasn't like a blur, but I was just, I was just in like execution mode of this project for like two months. Like it was all I did. I didn't take a single client project. So what were those months? What was the it time was frame? last fe so it was February 2022 and March 2022. Okay, you finish, you wrap. What happens like once you wrap on a short film? Like, what does that look like? Well, I mean, it was celebratory. You know, everyone was like, "Yeah, you just you know you just finished," and you call wrap, and everyone's like, "Yay, we just did the whole project." Everyone's like really high energy, and then, I mean, to be honest, like, I mean, 
that's, that's kind of it. Like you have the rap day, you know, sometimes if you have time, like people will go out and like celebrate and like have a drink or two or whatever, but they were on such a strict, um, schedule Fujifilm's team because they were shooting a lot of these over the course of like eight weeks. So it was very much like we're filming this in two days and then we got to get out of here. But usually, you know, when you celebrate a short film, it's like, okay, you call rap and like the crew might go out for drinks after. It's like a little, nice little and then celebration you, party. And then so like the two days end and then you mentioned it was like two months. So what happens after the, sh- the shooting? What does that process look so I like? I had to like, I had to edit it all. But I, I honestly. Did you edit all of it yourself? I did. Yeah. But it was so crazy because after I filmed it, it was weird. Like, well, this was also happening in a really messed up time of my life. Like last year was really hard for me. I went through a lot of like personal changes. I went through the end of a relationship like simultaneously as I was making this film. So after I filmed it, like I kid you not, like a week after I filmed that short film, I had to move out of my apartment into a new apartment. So I was living with my ex-partner um, while I was filming this. Wow. So while that was all being filmed, um, we were living together, but we weren't together anymore. Like the relationship had ended. So it was very. So you're just like juggling like I was juggling, a lot of strings. I was juggling a lot of, it was just mentally, I was, it was just so, I can't even like, I swear my brain chemistry changed that entire time because I was like, I don't, it's weird to be dealing with this like high of like, okay, I'm like making my first short film. I need to dive in, but I was also dealing with like one of the worst lows ever. So it was weird that they happened at the same exact time because I was like, I don't even know what my brain wants to do right now. I, one second I was like incredibly sad. My world was falling apart. And then the other second I was like, I'm making a short film. I need to, I'm, I'm happy. I should be proud. Like I worked really hard to get here. And then after I, yeah, after we wrapped shooting, like we kind of did the whole like little yay celebration thing. And then I had to like come back home. I told the story on another podcast too, but like I had to come back home, you know, to a shared space with an ex-partner that I could not share that experience with. So I literally came home and like ate Chick-fil-A on my dining room table and cried a little bit and it was weird it was really hard it was really shitty but like a week after that I had to move I just I couldn't even process the fact that I made the film because I was also like great I wrapped the film now I have to move out of my apartment that I've shared with my partner for three years who I thought I was going to be with for the rest of my life what is happening right now like this is like mentally it just was it was a crazy crazy time so I, I moved out of that apartment and like honestly like I don't, I didn't, I don't think I've even said this on many other podcasts, but like, I didn't even want to edit it. Like I finished the film and I did a whole move out of my apartment and I was really having to like face that my whole life just like changed on like the flip of a dime. And so it, it got to the point where I was just like, damn, I, I don't even have energy to like edit this project. And I edited the entire project. Did I, you feel guilty of having that feeling? Of not wanting to edit it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I did. I was like, I literally was like, I can't believe I just did this. And like, this is an opportunity that everyone dreams of. And then at the end, I'd like, after I filmed it and like, I was like, I don't want, I don't have energy to edit this right now. And I waited until like a week before it was due to like even start it. And it was like, and then for that week I was like, okay, I just got to like, I got to get through this. It just, it just was long because, you know, it took a month to like plan the project, honestly, like a month and a half. Like I, I wrote, you know, I had to write out an entire pitch, um, send it to Fujifilm, get it approved. I had to write out a budget. Um, we had to figure out the team. We had to figure out the casting and like that took from February to mid March. And then we set a shoot date for, you know, third week of March. And then I filmed third week of March. And then first week of April, I was moving out of my apartment And the, you know, obviously like the whole personal life thing had, had just happened at the beginning of February. So it was like completely timeline wise, like coincided, like a huge personal life change with like, shit, I have to like pitch a short film and write it and figure it out and shoot it. And then after all of that was done, I was like, I think my body and my mind just went into the most like crazy state that after I moved and I got back and I was like, damn, I have to edit this project now. I was like, 
I'm spent. I was like emotionally drained, like mentally. I just was not even there. And then like, it was just a sad, sad time. And it was just bittersweet because I was like, I was doing this project and finishing this project, but I was like, it's just me and this project. And I, you know what I mean? <laughs> you go to like, this dark place of like, this I, is all I have. Yeah. You literally, I went so dramatic and I was like, damn, like I feel great that I did this. And my friends are telling me, you know, you did just did something crazy. You just did something great. But it's crazy that in those times that the only person I wanted the like validation of like, I finished this, I did this. I want to share this was with the person that I could not like share that with anymore. So I think that was just like, it was so hard. And when I remember I edited it and I finished editing it, I cried. I like pressed export and like all these tears happened. And I was like, it was just tears about everything. It was just tears about, wow, I did this. Holy shit. I don't have the person that I was with for a while, long time. I'm just kind of here. Like who am I? With my, yeah, it was yeah. kind of like a who am I? I just did this. I was like proud because I was like, I just did this through a really hard time. And I did it a, like... A large part like I had help from a lot of people but like I was like I got through this alone like essentially like do you think you needed that needed like in the story yeah of your life yeah if you were to if you were to be 85 and look back on yeah. do you think you needed that for your story to like do something hard like that alone I think I I think I did I definitely, you don't have to say yes. I'm it's just, like, I, I'm I, curious. Yeah, no, it's like, I, I mean, I think I, I think I did in turn in to grow like that, like to grow in the ways that I did grow. I think I did need something hard like that. I really wish it didn't happen or coincide at least. Like I really didn't want it to, it would have been hard. I mean, nobody. Yeah. yeah your I was first like, big ass project. Nobody yeah, wants that like, to happen. I was like, I did not want that to happen. <laughs> but it did. And that's where it's like. Right. And I, I think. I think I needed it to grow in the ways that I have grown. Like I definitely, it, yeah, it, it's weird because at, on some points I'm like, I don't think I would have like had a, had that slap in the face. Like, Hey, look at yourself and look at like, how do you need to change your, your life? How do you need to change your mindset? How do you need to change the way that you do things? Because I do think that I needed to like on a personal level, even on a career we level too. Yeah. And yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. That's a tricky question. I, it's like I did, but I'm like, damn, did I really need all that? That was <laughs> a lot at once. But like the growth, I think because of all of that happening at the same time, I think my growth has, on one hand, it feels like I've aged like 10 years in like a year. But on the other hand, I'm like, I where does that I, growth show up? So like, what does it show up as? I think it in a practical way. I think it shows up in a in a practical way. What do you mm -hmm. mean by that? Like, so like, you went through that. Mm -hmm. Now, like, you feel like you can tackle this next thing much easier. Or like, in my everyday life, in my relationships with people, yeah. now I'm X Y Z way compared to I used to be A B C yeah. way. Just yeah. like practically in your daily life, how is that? You're mentioning growth, so I'm trying mm -hmm. to dial into like, what right. is the growth? look like so somebody on the other end because i mean relationships are tough and it's mm -hmm. something i think we all no matter who you are right. your skin color yeah. like it's one thing we all go through like you're yeah. born in this earth and you have like right you got passage. here through yeah. a relationship <laughs> yeah. like we all came out of somebody yeah. so we all struggle and relationships are such roller coasters whether it's your significant other or it's friends and family and mm -hmm. stuff like that but a lot of growth also happens from them so there's anything that comes to your mind, um, yeah. Without it sh how you show up today, that yeah. that growth led to. Um, I think just like way more like. I don't know. I think I'm just way more like self aware. More, uh, I think I've gotten a little bit less. Oh, that's so difficult because I know it's been a lot of things at once. But I just I think I'm, a in terms of like personally, I feel like I'm, I'm just a little bit more like understanding of, I feel like, and this has been, honestly, this change has been happening over the last like four years, but obviously after you go through a breakup, you kind of like look at everything you ever did in the relationship and you're like, 
damn, why did I do that? Like, because you're able to see so mm -hmm. much clearer. And I'm like, oh my God, I just look at so many, and I, I look at so many moments and I'm like, that was so unnecessary. Like, why did I, why did I do this? Why did I respond this way? Why did I talk like that? And then I was like, well, I didn't know any, like, I just, I didn't know any better really because I was young. I was, I think you learn when you are going through a relationship, you learn through failure the, a the, lot of the time. The like, dots can only connect backwards. Yeah. And you so I, you know, forwards. yeah. So I, I go back in time and I'm just like, okay, wow. There's like so many places that like I could have done this better. I could have done that better. And I carry that with me now in the ways that I try to like, um, I think conflict resolution, like actually like having conversations with people that are hard and like actually resolving conflict is like definitely a place where I feel like I've grown a lot because I'm like, okay, like, you know, in terms of like apologizing, in terms of like being less of a defensive person. I'm like a very passionate person, which means I'm very reactive as well. And I know that you're that way too, because we've talked about this before, but it's like, I'm so, I have the best intentions, but because I am so passionate, like a lot of people are like, well, I love that about you. You're so passionate. And I, but I'm like, that passion also goes the other way yep. where it's like, I'm passionately like loving, caring, want you to feel the best in the world, but sometimes that passion can swing in a negative way where it's like, well, now I'm passionately upset or now I'm passionately like maybe I'm saying things a little bit too aggressively when I don't mean them that aggressively. I actually just really care like and having to really like sit with myself and be like, oh, God, how can I change the way that like I can, you know, it's just it's like, hard. I've this hits home so much. Yeah. The thing I think we got to get over yeah. is like when we hear somebody not necessarily understand us. Yeah. We don't, ne you don't necessarily have to look at the word change. Right. I look at it as like, okay, we're on mics right now. Mm -hmm. You can turn it up and down, but the mic still works the same way. Right. So I just need, needed to learn my frequency <laughs> yeah. and it's helped a lot over the years. And one of the things that's been blatantly obvious for me, you mentioned like it can come off aggressive. Like I'm a male, so it comes off know, even yeah. more, more aggressive. Yeah. And one of the, Aaron has told me this for years. And one right. of the times that it really hit home for me was when I was doing consulting and I wasn't like, I would say I had 50, 50 mm -hmm. women to males leads to work yeah. with. And I wasn't closing any females. And then I worked with my friend Cass. And when she came to the meetings with me, mm -hmm. we would close a lot better. Mm -hmm. So I started reflecting on like why that is. So what I realized was the women took my passion as aggression mm -hmm. and I couldn't see that because in my head, I'm just like, I fucking care so yeah. much. I just want to help. I just want to do this. Yeah. Yes, I'm loud and I'm like yeah. a little bit obnoxious sometimes. Right. But when I looked back at my words, I'm like, I'm not cursing at them. I'm not calling them any names. I'm not being thing. disrespectful. Yeah. Like it's a tone thing. Okay. If it's a tone thing, then how do I... The other thing that really helped me, and I'm still bad at... Aaron yells at me every single week for this. Yeah. <laughs> the thing that I continue to work on and I want to work on and it is this because with my son, mm -hmm. when they're younger, they don't know like the tone is going to be the only thing they understand because right. they don't understand words right. when they're older. Like, and one of the things I tried to tell Aaron is like, my coaches used to yell at me all the time, but I was like, that meant they loved me when the coach, like yeah. that's the other fucked up part yeah. is like in certain arenas, Mm -hmm. if the coach isn't yelling at you, like right. they're just like, that kid sucks. Like we're just not even going to pay attention to him. Right. But like, if they're like coaching you and like somewhat aggressive towards you, that always meant to me like, Oh my God, like I'm getting better. They're putting attention on me and like, right. I need to keep feeling this. So uh reason I'm getting into this is just like learning that frequency. I feel like for people like us is extremely hard. Yeah. Um, but also you only you only learn by doing by going right. through it. There yeah. is no talking about the dirt we were talking about earlier is like relationships is one of them is like. But I really want to convey is like also don't change that about you because right. it is like yeah. your special sauce. And that was the thing that my wife and I have a lot of conversations over is just like, look, like you want me to dial back, but you can't ask me to change because mm -hmm. this is what like. So I connect with so many people because when I walk into a room and I'm super passionate, it allows them to do that. Right. Yeah. And that's what I, f I feel like working with you and, and mm -hmm. Scott and Hamza, I feel like we all have a certain 
Certain energy thing. like yeah. that. Um, different personalities, but the energy is the same yeah. thing. I'd love to understand, was that always you? Was that, or was that something you picked up as you skateboarded, as you got into film? I was like always a very passionate person, like since I was younger. I mean, I think that's, I mean, I've always been an artist, like ever since I was younger. I think I, I, I've always, I've been shy. Like when I was younger, I was shy. I was a lot more shy. So I think I've with age and with like picking up things that I really like and, um, I've gotten more confident. Um, but I've always been really passionate and really emotional, you know, like I, I feel like it's just always been something that I, I mean, I've always been that way. I've always been someone also like to go against the grain. People are like, you got to do it this way. And I'm like, why, why, why? I'm always a person that asks why. And it has pissed people. Like, you know, like it has bothered people before. That was also another problem in relationships that I've had too, is that sometimes I don't realize that me constantly asking why makes someone feel like they don't know what they're talking about. I don't know, but I'm also just like, yeah, I'm, I'm always questioning shit. I'm like, you know, when it came to school, I was always questioning stuff. When it came to society, I was always questioning stuff. When it came, comes to business and like doing content creation, I'm always like, but why? Why do we have to do it that way? Like, I don't, I don't want to do it that way. That's how everyone does it. Like, what's the point of me just being a copy of everyone else? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, so that is, you know, that's something that I like about myself, but it has also caused problems before because, you know, I think some, some people just don't like to be questioned that much because I, I know that it can come off as like, well, I'm just trying to question you and undermine you. And I'm like, that's not what I'm trying to do. I just genuinely am like, but why? I want to understand. I want to know. I want to learn. Yeah, curiosity. Like, I'm a very curious yeah. person. And sometimes the curiosity is received well and sometimes the curiosity is like and not received well. <laughs> I think that's another growing pain that we go through is yeah. uh, learning when to be curious because like I've, as I've gotten older, it's like my energy I've realized is finite. So I'm mm -hmm. passionate, but right. like if it's not going to be well-received, what's the point? So right. one thing I've really tried to dial into is like allowing the passion to only show through in rooms that are going to receive it and you like take that energy and run with it right. rather than be opposed to it. And that's where like, again, going back to the HQ that we created, that was one of the visions is like, I just want to attract the people yeah. that like when they see me in a room and I'm being like ridiculous, right. um, it's received in, in a good way, not in a, in a turned off way. Mm -hmm. But I'd love to ask you when you created the short film, mm -hmm. did you even know that awards existed for it? Was that something no, on your radar? No, I literally was just like, I was like, oh, I'm just going to make this film and it's going to premiere when they drop the camera. Um, and that that's going to be it. Like, I'm just going to I'm just going to show it and then that's going to be it. And then they asked me, um, they were like, hey, we're thinking that we want to push it to film festivals. Like, and I was like, what? I was like, you're going to put this in a film festival. I'm like, it's like a six and a half minute film. And to be honest, like it, part of me was still struggling with even calling it a film because I was like, this kind of just still feels like, you know, a six minute little mini doc commercial kind of thing. It doesn't really feel like, you know, a film, but they were like, no, we want to put it in like film festivals. So it went to film festivals. That's another reason why it's still not even premiered yet. That's on me. I got to like, it's been a year now. So I think all the film festivals are done. So now I have to figure out like a release for it, like an actual public release for it. But no, I didn't know that like it was, first of all, I wasn't expecting them to want to put it in film festivals to begin with. And then to have it come out with like, I won like best experimental film in like one of the, one of the film festivals. And I got other like little awards that honestly, like I can't even like, Remember, I won like best editor for one of them and one of them got like best cinematography, but they're all like really small film festivals, but they're still, it's so cool because I was like, damn, like people have to remind me too. They're like, cause I'm always like, oh, I'm over the film at this point. Like it's just been a year and I know that I've gotten so much better that I'm like, has the film really that good? You know, me as an artist being so self critiquing, I'm like, is the film even really that good? But you're a like, true creator. That's how you tell. It's just like. <laughs> you're in it for the art of creation. Yeah. And people are like, but it, I'm like, they're like Jasmine, like shut up. Like it literally, what, what was literally I, won awards. Like what, what was are you I talking get, about? What was I getting on you for before 
that we were on here. I was like, don't, when we were talking about creating content, yeah, like, you don't have to do more. You just have to do more with what you got. I know. I'm just so extra all the time. I'm like, <laughs> I just have to do so much more. It's got to be so much better. So much better. more new. Like, yeah. And which is good. That's yeah. like the creative mind is, 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 is amazing. And, um, as we get close to wrapping up here, I'd love for you to have the floor to open up about what you're working on today. What does that look like? Uh, one of the goals here is always to connect people, uh, whether it's in a work capacity, mm -hmm. relational capacity, mentorship, yeah. um, floor is yours. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm definitely trying to move more into a director's role for like bigger commercial campaigns. So like, I would love to do more work in the more work in like sports and fitness. Like after I made push, um, I realized like, Hey, I really love making films about, um, very active topics. So like action sports, um, active sidebar. I love that soccer Film Wasn't that, that so funny? Together, that I, was we, cool. Right? It was. It actually came out so dope, and it was hilarious because, like, I just randomly brought the soccer ball to the field. We were supposed to do a whole workout, like John, Ian, and I, and we ended up like filming an entire thing. And I, and I, of course, had to be the freaking talent. And I want to put this on your radar. So the world next World Cup is in America. So if yes. y'all could actually like That's collab on like some type of film leading up to the World Cup, that would be really freaking cool. So that is on my goals list. As I told myself for the next FIFA world cup, I want to have a commercial. For, yeah. That is amazing for the FIFA world cup. Like that is the ultimate goal. If anyone out there can help me make that happen, that'd be amazing. It's going to happen. It has to happen. Like I literally was like, no next FIFA world cup that comes around. Like I, 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 I need to have a commercial in that. I don't know. I don't care what role I play in making that commercial happen, but like I want to have a commercial like in the FIFA World Cup. That would be so sick. That would be definitely bucket list, bucket list cross off. And it fits everything that you're talking about against the grain, a little bit like yeah. diversity and, and diversity of thought. And like with the World Cup, I, I love it because it is like the world. Like yeah, it represents exactly. the world. So not that, not to, uh, take you off track there, but no, no, I, no. That, I did see that video and I really liked it. <laughs> yeah, no, it was really, really fun to make, but basically like more stuff like that. Like I would love to do work for, um, like active wear, like active lifestyle wear, um, energy drinks, automotive, um, anything in that realm where I can really kind of put a fun energetic spin on something and make it a nice little cool commercial. I definitely want to start to mix more of like the heartfelt stories with that really cool commercial style. Um, just a lot of exploration right now, but I'm definitely working on trying to niche myself a little bit into that realm where it's like, I really do want to be creating some cool commercial campaigns for like some active wear brands. I got a lot of clients that I would love to work with. I would love to work with like Yeti. I would love to work with um, like Adidas, like those kinds of brands that are like, you could just do some really cool stuff yeah. for. So um, yeah, that's kind of what I'm working towards right now. I'm definitely working on like more spec ads. I actually wrote a piece called the truth about happiness and I want to film that and put it out there. That would be like kind of like a three minute piece, I think, but I literally just love writing. So I, I write a lot in my like little notes app and in my journals, something I've always loved to do. And I was like, why don't I take this writing skill that I have and like try to actually put it more into my filmmaking. So yeah, I wrote a little piece that um, I definitely want to make some type of like spec ad for it. But yeah, I'd want to do that kind of stuff. Where it's like an active, cool commercial, but it's got a deeper meaning. So something along the lines of like the truth about happiness, let's make a piece about that, but make it like a cool little commercial. But it's about something that's- I look that forward to seeing deep. that. Yeah. That's, yeah. I'm yeah. excited. Right I, up, I really right like- Right up my alley. Yeah. I really I love it. I really like that piece that I wrote. So I'm really excited to kind of put that together and like film it and put it out because I am excited to do that one. So hopefully that comes out soon, but that's kind of a little bit of the things I'm working on. So yeah. yeah. How do people best get in contact with you? Um, probably honestly these days, probably through email. It'd probably be, um, jasmine q creates at gmail.com but if you want to just like socialize with me on social media definitely instagram which is jasmine underscore q um i am sometimes on youtube doing youtube stuff um 
I'm just Jasmine Quinones on YouTube. But honestly, those are the platforms I have now. I do post a little bit on TikTok. My TikTok is at JQ made it. Um, so if you want to follow me on TikTok, you can. I'm still getting a little bit better at doing some TikTok stuff, but I want to, I want to, you dive. should bring that energy to TikTok. I'm like, trying. This is what I think I'm going to go in on TikTok is just like, I, I've been trying to think like maybe just make it the platform where I just like goof off yeah, <laughs> or just like bring, yeah. bring it's like, funny. Yeah. Most of the stuff that I post on TikTok is a little bit more like vulnerable and deeper, like artsy stuff is what I'm trying to do more on TikTok. My IG is a little bit more like here's like the fitness or sports active it's almost like a homepage. It's like a portfolio, yeah. honestly, for me at this point. But like TikTok, I'm trying to do a little bit more like that's kind of like where my feels go a little bit more because no one really follows me over there. So I'm like, I feel more comfortable being a little bit more like vulnerable on there. The thing making, about TikTok is yeah. they've nailed the algorithm of like bringing you people that hit that right. like your content hits with. So like Erin right now has been posting like just her pregnancy fitness stuff. Mm -hmm. And like the people that it brings to her page are like moms that want right. to see workouts yeah, so like they've exactly. done a really good job with the algorithm there and that's when i was just like i wonder if i just like do more of like yeah. the goofy because like i do a lot of motivational stuff and right. the podcast stuff and whatever right. and then i'm like what do i use this tiktok for it's just like i kind of just want to like dance with my kid or like yeah do dumb ex like exactly it's skateboard a, it's a, and like it's a good place to kind of do more stuff like that because i was yeah. thinking about the same thing i was like do i make tiktok another extension of my like portfolio professionalness on ig and i was like can I get a little bit more vulnerable on here? Can I get a little bit more personal on TikTok? And I'm like, you know what? Who Fuck cares? It. Fuck it. I'm just going to do it. Like, why do I, I don't, I don't need a repeat yeah. of the yeah, same shit exactly. everywhere. Yeah. You know, you got me thinking on that. Cause yeah. I've been, I, I was posted on it for a while and I, I haven't really under understood how I'm going to use that. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm gonna think on that after this. Yeah. Usually with my repeat guests on here, I don't ask them again. What, <laughs> they'd want to define thriving as but since so much has happened in the past so, almost three years so much i'd love to ask you again like how today's jasmine would oh, define thriving i don't even know what i said last time so That's maybe, maybe it's the same um how would i define thriving oh god um honestly at this point like i think i define thriving as being able to appreciate the mo like the little moments I think at this point in my life, I've just come to, I act as if I'm old as fuck. I'm literally 28, but like, I've already started to realize that age like, is not how much you've age, lived. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. Yeah. Like, it's, so. it's true. And I feel like I've lived a lot of different lives and done a lot of different things. And I'm just like, honestly, like I think thriving is when you can really just like have some really good moments with friends, have some really good moments in your relationships and just live in that just take that in for a moment and if you're able to do that and like feel good and at peace like that to me is like a thriving moment which like should make up a thriving life you know like I agree with that when you have that in your life you don't you find no need to want everything yeah outside of yourself yeah I think yeah I think a thriving life is is just like okay can I am I able to just sit and enjoy something without wanting more. Like I, I love how we are ending here. I had a, a, a few people over, over the weekend and we, we had a fire going and at one point I was like sitting by the fire alone and like Thomas actually, mm -hmm. Garen's way came up and was like, dude, why are you sitting alone? You all right? Um, but the reality was I was great. Mm -hmm. I was just like soaking in that like yeah. everyone was conversing and like, oh my God, like I have this house now where we can do this and like, I can see the stars and I had this really overwhelming feeling of like, I don't need more than this. Right. I want to perfect this. I want to make it better and better, but I don't need any more than that. And I think that stems from exactly what you're talking about is the more you can appreciate those little moments, the more we realize we have everything that we need. So I love ending on that note. That's exactly <laughs> represent, representative of, of this brand and, and where we want to go. And at the end, I always have my biggest takeaway and it really hit home with me when you said like 22, 25, 30 and beyond looks a little bit different. And mm -hmm. I think when we're younger, we just think that we should be doing everything that we can to reach some pinnacle of success right. that is determined for us. And as we age, we start realizing that the things that were determined for us aren't really us. 
a lot of the times. Yeah. And with each age brings new challenges and new people and new experiences. And the more you close yourself off to those, the more you become somebody that you don't necessarily like looking in the mirror at. And mm -hmm. I've, I've personally felt this and I felt a lot of change. Like, I mean, one of the, the biggest changes for me is being 18 months without alcohol and marijuana and, um, just like really diving into my self-reflection yeah. and like who is my best self. And that hit home a lot when you said that, because yeah. at 21, if you would have asked me like, <laughs> dude, you don't, you can't, you don't even drink like a yeah. glass every now and then I would have been like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, like, I yeah. love to drink. Yeah. I love going out and, exactly. and, and feeling this feeling. Right. Um, so some food for thought there. If you listen to this episode and it impacted you in any way, please share it with somebody that you know and love. I'd love to get Jasmine's story out there to more people. Give us that five-star rating and review. And I look forward to chatting with you all next time. This is CJ Finley with the Thrive on Life podcast. Thrive on y'all. What's up, y'all? This is CJ again. And on behalf of the small team here at Thrive on Life, I'd like to thank you for listening to one of our episodes. Our mission in life is to help people like you fuel your passion and make every heartbeat count. And we realize the best way to do this is together as a team. So we'd love for you to join in on this mission and connect with like-minded individuals within our Thrive on Life community. To do so, please head to thriveonlife.com and connect with us there. We'd love to chat with you. Before I sign off, I'd like you to always remember one thing. When we strive together, we thrive together. So please do your part in helping others thrive on life.